0: Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today I've got my friend Superstition all the way out from North Carolina. He just dropped a new EP called Sacrifice and I'm fully in love with it. It's probably the best rap record I've heard all year. And we're going to go song by song, bar for bar, breaking down the new EP. And it's a super fun conversation. Here's Superstition.
1: Uh, how you doing
0: pretty good how about you
1: good man can you hear me good
0: yeah yeah i uh just uh got off work got everything set up real quick and uh ready to go i made some notes i gave it a fourth listen today so i wanted to <laughs> write down a couple quotables there's a fucking lot of them but uh, <laughs> i
2: appreciate that man.
0: but yeah thanks for uh coming on the show man i i realized um you're on a totally different schedule than I am, so I, I really appreciate the accommodation.
1: Yeah, I think also you our work hours are completely different because I'm at work at like five or six a.m. and you know usually off <laughs> after you know like two thirty to three. So I think you work late hours, right?
0: Yeah, I'm just getting to lunch at two thirty. So
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> shit. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I really want to talk about the new record. You know, typically we do uh, a, a little bit of a dive into back catalog and stuff. Okay. I met you, uh, God, it must have been four years ago, five years ago, something like that, on the the King No Crown Tour uh, with Blueprint. Yeah, Plant. I think that was 2015, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And um, yep. you were doing the, the gold standard record, which I thought was fucking great. And, um, thanks and thanks. And that that was that was my my introduction to your music as well um, uh, you know us being from different parts of the country and all but uh I mean I could tell even from that record the way you uh, I mean the way you rap and and the the content of the songs i mean it, you must have been doing this forever. when did you get started
1: uh, actually it's crazy enough I started it sounds wild when I say it, but I started rapping in nineteen eighty six, man. And Damn. I was a, a kid. I always I always tell people I feel like the child prodigy that never made it like yeah. <laughs> so so I started yeah, I started back in eighty six, so I'm technically an old school rapper. I was just you know young but I just never stopped, you know, working on my craft at all, you know.
0: That's awesome, and, man. What like who was it that yeah. you heard that made you wanna start as a kid?
1: To be honest I had heard a lot of the stuff like Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel, things like that. And that was cool. The thing that threw me off, like I knew their songs. The, the thing that threw me off is that my mother and my, my aunts and uncles always had a lot of disco records. And I felt like those guys looked like disco singers. So I never really <laughs> got into it until yeah. like, I saw Run DMC and Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh. I was like, these guys... You know, they made it look cool. They dress more appropriate to the, you know, like the type of people that I was seeing, like my older cousins. They dressed more like that. So, uh, people like Run DMC, um, Dougie Fresh, and Slit Rick. I think I wrote my first rhyme to the instrumental, actually, in vinyl. So, me, it was me and some cousins of mine. So, I've been doing it for a long time, man.
0: That's that's awesome. When did you cut your first record?
1: I want to say when I was 17 or 18, I think when I had my first contract. Um, I want to say, yeah, I was probably about 18. Between 17 and 19, all those years are like a blur. Or whatever, yeah. Man, so. <laughs> but I was going by another name back then. I used to go by the name of Black Male, Black MEL, and kind of like Extortion. Yeah. And uh, I had signed with uh, David DMX, a label by the Queens, and, you know, got a, a contract that wasn't too pleasant. And so I spent, I basically signed over my name, my rights, my music, my likeness, everything for five albums or five years. So just imagine like being at 18 or 19 years old and you've just signed a contract now. They're never going to put out your album. You can't do anything. So those years I was just stuck in a contract. I couldn't do anything. And I remember talking to an attorney. It was like, um, you know, first thing you should probably do was just change your name. And I was like, damn, I worked so hard for it or whatever. And that's
2: where the name Superstition ended up coming from. But
1: that, I, That's crazy. I so you
0: record. so you actually made a record for them and they shelved it and it just never saw the light of day and there was nothing you could do about it?
1: Yeah, so I worked with um, a lot of different producers at that time, uh, like some of my homegrown producers, like back from North Carolina. But I used to travel to New York frequently. I worked with a producer named c4 chris forte uh his probably claim to fame is uh he produced i can at least put it in your mouth and uh i did some tracks with him and they came out really dope but the biggest issue was that they back then this was the 90s they had no idea how to market me being i was from north carolina um there were rappers that were out from north carolina but they always kind of repped new york more so like uh, if you look at uh ski beats from like original flavor and you know he did a lot of stuff with um rockefeller he used to be in a, a group called the busy boys out of greensboro north carolina and you know it was a lot of different people yag food front but a lot of people they just had no idea what
2: to do with me they yeah. was
1: like all right well you're from the south and at that time outcast was popping and they was like well why don't you rap more like these guys? And I'm like, well, I love Outkast, but that's not how I rap, you know? Like, I'm I'm all about the bars. I was influenced. To me, it wasn't even necessarily influenced by New York hip-hop. To me, it was just hip-hop in general. I didn't care if it was from New York, Philly, or wherever, you know what I
2: mean? So,
0: Yeah, and I, I feel that way, too, especially now. Like, I, I get into it with my friend Sarks about hip-hop because we have... We do have... A lot of things that we align with in terms of musical taste but we have a lot of shit we disagree on like he he was uh making fun of me not long ago and he said see the difference is you like shit that sounds like 1993 and i like shit that sounds like the future and i was like no i just like shit that sounds like hip-hop <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know just just fucking right. rhyme just rhyme and then i'm happy
1: well, shit, we are the future of 1993 right now. ramen. so, I
0: mean... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know? There you go.
1: So, yeah. So, me, like, it didn't even matter. Like, I, I started doing music before hip-hop was geographically split. A lot of the guys that I grew up rapping with, they just rap like their favorite rappers, you know. At that time, everybody's biting, trying to, you know, find their own style. it. so it's like I had some friends that rap like Big Daddy Kane, I had some friends that rap like Rakim. You know what I mean? Like it's just one of those things. So
0: yeah, I mean, your first, your early years as a writer is definitely, you know, you can walk up to somebody's sound check and go, "Oh, you listen to a lot of Black Thought, don't you?" <laughs> you
1: know, right? <laughs> yeah, I have a homeboy of mine. I, I go back and to his older music and I could tell everybody he was listening to at the time, like, okay, he was listening to Red Man here and then, you know, he he went more in a rap way now. He was more then it was like a dead press and yeah, I could just tell all the artists that he was listening to at yeah, time. It's just like wow. Man.
0: Now for for me as the artist being at a when you get to the point that's like you start to not even recognize the shit coming out of your own mouth when you're like Mm -hmm. damn that was cool where did like that doesn't even sound like anything i could think of you know and like you start to develop your your own style like that that's some of the most exciting stuff in in the creative process to me were those years of like you know you you could say oh this record kind of sounds like this this record kind of sounds like that but then at at a certain point it's like holy shit i i think i figured this out (laughs) right it's always look at it as kind of like riding on
2: training wheels you know like in the first part when we first start learning how to rhyme i would find
1: a flow of my favorite rapper memorize their songs then i'd go back and put my own words to it but the exact same flow and then after a while the more you start to ride or you know start to ride the beat and flow it's like, all right, now, cool, I can take off the training wheels now. Watch me speed it up here and slow it down here or try something a little bit different. And you're right, man. It's a wonderful feeling when you're able to do something and you listen back like, damn, wow, I, I, I really did that. You know, it's almost like you broke a code or something, like you, you
2: solved a Rubik's Cube or some shit. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. And and what you're talking about in learning other people's songs, you know, I occasionally if I'm between records, usually not hip hop, but I'll, I'll record like a bunch of cover albums. Like it's just it's fun for me to do of, of like do a send up to songs that influenced me, especially ones that weren't super popular songs, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that after I've done one of those records, and you've learned other people's guitar parts or whatever it is, that the next time I'm working on my own shit, like I play a little bit differently. It's like, oh, that's weird. Right. You know, I had never learned that little chord before, or like when Idea passed away, we did a, a tribute show where we played the by the throat album and then after that I would I would occasionally have like oh what what the hell was that little run that was weird like oh that must have been a <laughs> remnant of like learning some you know a, other song or something like that and and I feel like each time you do those it it would add another tool to your tool belt you know like you were saying of like oh I, okay this is kind of the training wheels but then oh what if I break away and do this what if I break away and do that and I feel like even even now, 20 years into my career, I still, if I work on somebody else's stuff for a little while and come back, it's like, oh, weird. That actually helped me see things differently again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. As I listen to like my previous releases, I can always tell what cadences I was experimenting with, whatever. Now, it's like the cadence that I've been using lately is just trying to have... Um, a lot of guys that you listen to now try, they try to rhyme as many words as possible in the same bar, you know, but yeah. it's like me It's like, um, it's kind of like an example. Like I used to be a fiend for some stylish, stylish J's started when I was a teen trapped in childish ways from my niche on the scene, got my talent praise. So it's like, you know, just using different cadences and stuff like that or whatever, man, trying to just you know switch it up a lot of times so i'm just you know God, not so i, I still have to punch lines but i've i've figured out i've learned how to say things a lot more potent and a lot stronger without having to rely on punch lines as much like you can still say something just as slick without a punch line you know like damn that was witty you know or you know double entendres man
2: like different things like that too so
0: yeah yeah i mean you're you're verses have no shortage of standout lines but you know like you're saying it's not it's not just trying to like cram in as much shit as you can you know and and you know sometimes if i'm writing a song and you know at the end of the night i'll go take a shower or something and when i'm going back through the lyrics in my head i think of them in terms of like uh just like a snare drum pattern or something and i'm just like Like, if I just remove the words and play the actual rhythm, oh, how interesting is it how it changes up through, you know, throughout and how it flows into each other? And like, just the musical quality without even the lyrical quality, you know, I think that there's uh, a, a lot to be said in terms of delivery being so important. You know, I, li- I listen to some of my earlier shit and it's like, ah, oh, you had the writing. You know, yeah. <laughs> you had the writing, you just didn't have the delivery. Ugh.
1: Right. So the crazy thing with, like, what I do, because um, I never actually sit down and just write a complete song from beginning to end. Like, I'll sit and I all through the week or the month, I'll just have just lines pop up in my head and I'll write them down. And I'm you like my wife goes crazy because she'll find sheets around with just rhyming words that
0: have no it's not in in bar form or anything you know what I'm saying there's no context you know, uh, paternity test, learn it the best, you know (laughs) what I'm saying, burning your flesh or something like that. She's like,
1: what the hell is this? But then, you know, when I sit down to write a song, I have a bunch of lines and I kind of just piece them together almost like a puzzle sometimes, especially when it's just like a straight spitting song or whatever, you know what I mean? So, because I do that because I really don't have as much time to record as I used to. I used to be able to sit around and just write all day long, but, you know, with just family and kids and things like that, man, it's just not as much free time, so I just try to figure out a way that was, you know, I can get it done a
0: lot quicker. Yeah, I, I used to carry a pad, I mean, for like almost 20 years, 15 years probably, I carried a pad in my pocket, mm-hmm. would always, just like you're saying, write down, oh, these random words are great, or this punchline, this wordplay, this, you know, title, whatever, and then yeah. I hit a groove in stream of consciousness songwriting, and I stopped doing it, and I I actually retired the pad. But lately I've been I've been uh, just doing it more in my notes in my phone, you know, because yeah. I, I don't write down every single thing religiously like I used to, but if I feel like I'm on the cusp of – I mean, you can kind of tell when your brain is, like, firing up for something. You know, you're like, oh, man, yeah. Yeah. maybe not today, but maybe even next week or something, I feel like something's ready to come out, you know. And when I get right. in that when I get in that mode I really start saving stuff just to have some momentum when you when you sit down, you know.
1: Yeah. On this last record I I did a couple songs without writing it down and I found that it's a lot easier to remember them without writing them down cuz I get I don't know if it's just a mental thing of just me trying to just remember what's on the paper, but if I say if I'm driving in the car and I'm listening to a beat like I always come up with with words that connect together that'll tell me what the next bar is and things like that. And for some reason, I just memorize them better like the song Solitaire like on, on the project. Like I did that one. I didn't write that down at all. And it was just like, if somebody asked me to spit that rhyme, I could do it right now. But if you asked me to spit another rhyme from the album, it's kind of like, all right, it'll take a little bit, you know, more. I got to pull that, you know, I just got to pull it up in my brain or whatever. But, you know, like, you know, I don't know if, if that makes sense. But it's more like, cruise control, man. So I've been trying to get more into not actually writing. Um, And to me, it, I see a lot of artists say, well, I don't write rhymes, you know, I just make it up in my head. Like, it, to me, it doesn't matter as long as it's dope. Like, I don't care if you write it with charcoal on your wall. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> if it's garbage, if it's garbage. If it's good, it's good, you know?
0: Yeah, I just think it's interesting. Everybody's creative process is different and, and you know, l- learning how... I'm still just fascinated by you know, how a song is put together, how uh album was recorded, just all of that behind-the-scenes, like, super geeky music shit that just, that's my favorite stuff. Yeah,
1: from, like, when I do write, being that my flow used to be very wordy, um, I would have to, and I've only seen maybe one other person do this, and I think that's uh, my homeboy, Tone Def. Um, it's, when I write a rhyme, like, there's a symbol over the actual
2: word or the letter to show where the kick should come in. And yeah, yeah. there's parts
1: where I draw symbols that show where I should speed up or symbol that shows where I should slow down. Like, you know, it's just, you'll, it'll always see like a dot over a certain word or whatever, almost like a bouncing ball. But it's like, that's where that word needs to land on the beat. So that way, if I put this rhyme down and I come back a year later, I know exactly where to pick up cuz you know how it is if you pick up like some lyrics and you're just like I wrote this but I have no
0: idea to what yeah <laughs> <laughs> like
1: how it goes exactly so it's kind of a reminder to myself and it's almost like since I don't read or
0: or kind of write music in the you know with the true sense of it that's yeah. kind
1: of like my way of just writing music so
0: yeah I I was weird when I, I found myself writing so often that I was just filling these books and so I stopped writing line by line and so if you look at any of my like songs that have been released from a few years ago, if you pull up the original lyric sheets, it's just a page. There's no lines, there's no I mean, there's no breaks, there's no punctuation, there's no slashes. Oh, oh that like, shit would drive me crazy. There's nothing like <laughs> but but because what you're talking about, if there were s- certain really important parts or even just to know like how to start it or something, I would underline yeah. the first couple kicks gotcha. or, or something like that yeah. so so be like yeah. oh, okay once i start it then i know where it's going but i, I yeah i would just have these giant blocks of words <laughs> Yeah. so yeah That's you, dope, you yeah. like you have you have to demo that shit then or you come back to it you know a month later and you're like i don't even know what this is <laughs> right now
2: i'll do it
1: like what i'll do now is just leave like a, a voice note in my phone yeah and like all right i'll come back to it later on like it sounds crappy but at least it's not oblivious when i pick it up again so
0: yeah yeah so, speaking uh, of your transition into superstition, I mean, how many records do you have under this name? Oh, my
1: God. Uh, man, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you a number, to be honest with you, man. That's um, that's
0: great. So, I, yeah, I have, you know, my
2: first uh, official album was Seven Years of
1: Bad Luck. And then there was the Deadline EP. Then there was Chain Letters album. Then there was Leave of Absence. I did two projects under my name, uh, my real name, Cam Moy. And that was a self-centered EP and Splitting Image.
0: Oh, what was the? And then, what was the idea there? Um,
1: so it was. I'm, at that time, I was feeling like the name superstition had had like a negative connotation to it, and I was always dealing with just a lot of bad energy and things like that. So I wanted to kind of release something under my real name, but. I wanted to flip it as if my real name was my alias, you know, so I wanted to kind of do that and make more mature music at that time. And I don't know, maybe I, I almost felt like Jesus on the cross. Like I died for other rappers since because now everybody can change their names to their real name. But when I did, it, <laughs> my fans were not having it at all, man. And I'm like, you know, it was somebody had to explain it to me. It's like, hey, man, like you, you can take a Big Mac and change the name and it's the same burger. And people are still going to be in outrage because you changed the name of the Big Mac. They don't even give a damn about anything else. So I had to kind of realize that. And then, you know, I, I was more positive and more conscious in my life. And to be honest, like my fans, for the most part, I'm not to say they don't want to hear it, but there's some that don't want to hear it at all. So I had to look at like Run DMC. Like I remember the original Run DMC, but then I also saw them when they were, trying to dress like onyx and naughty by nature and i was like what the hell are these guys doing so yeah. <laughs> so so the Moy was like uh you know it was just supposed to be an alias but then i wanted to keep superstition and Moy separate then i signed like a, a contract with an independent label and they cut a check and was like hey you're gonna carry both of these names so and i was just like no nah. so but um i walked away from the music industry for a couple years then i came back did the blackboard um honest living gold standard and i think now solitaire man Man.
0: yeah Yeah, that's uh that's a a hell of a body of work i sounds like i have a lot more digging to do (laughs) yeah there's a lot of stuff out there and probably over
1: 200 uh, guest verses so
0: that's awesome i'm glad to be one of those (laughs)
1: yeah oh man i love that song man The hands up
0: yeah yeah uh i i i remember We did that show, uh, well, we did two shows, Eugene and Portland, and uh, I remember we we really hit it off that first night, and uh, the second night, I was doing uh, a couple songs with um, my man, Ogar Burl. and and we, we did this track that had an extra spot on it, and I was like, hey... You want to jump in on a song with us tonight, and you're like, "Yeah, let's just do it." <laughs> yeah. And, and so, yeah, I remember that too. I
2: was
1: like, it was random, but I was like, you know
0: what? Why not? Man? Yeah, this would be dope. And like, we just w- totally were winging it, and uh, it 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 was super fun. And I it, just from then on, I I remember us talking like every once in a while, like, "Hey, are we still doing a track?" Yeah, yeah. I yeah, just got to find the right one. Got to find the right one. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> it's it's
1: crazy. Cause yeah.
0: when you were performing. I
1: I talked to Blueprint, I was like, Hey man, like this guy's dope. He's got bars and Blueprint's like, Yeah, oh yeah,
2: he's got he's got some shit, man
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was really glad that you were on that tour. I've I've been lucky enough to play with him I don't know, most times he comes out this way for, That's dope. for the last few records and, and uh I don't know, man. There was something about that lineup it was just killer. even though I remember our Portland show wasn't as good. Turnout wise, yeah, the energy was great though. I mean, it wasn't a, a a major turnout, but I
1: walked away feeling like, man, that was a a good show, you know. And I like all the artists that wanted to build on everything. Like it made me a believer. So
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. And that hands down track, I, <laughs> when when we finally found the thing, and me and Carnage were working on that, I was like, oh, I think this is the one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah, I. Cool. I was doing that super slow flow, which is like the opposite of what I usually do, and I was just like really leaning back and, and just, just delivering punchlines and punchlines, yeah. and then Carnage was listening to it, and he would call me on the phone to talk about it. He's like, all right, so I'm hearing what you're doing with this line. I'm going to flip that with this line, but then I'm going to make mine a little bit just a little bit busier than yours, you know? And so yeah. he was trying to kind of, like, bridge the gap between you and me because you just went fucking off at the end of that <laughs> Cause, song. Because you said Carnage was going to be on, it I'm like, well, all right, Sammy is,
1: is boring me with lines. He got so many slick punchlines in here, and I'm like, well, Carnage is going to come, and his cadence is going to be super crazy. So I was like, all right, I got to find the fine line in between those two, so I got to have
0: the
2: lines... And the flows,
0: <laughs> Man, I was I was so happy with that. It was the perfect, like, you know, you had to be the last one on that one. You, ju- you had just the nonstop patterns and uh, the punches and everything. It was like, yeah, that just bodied the track. It was great. I fucking loved it. I
2: appreciate it. Man, I felt like
1: that verse was something that, like, other lyricists can appreciate, you know, because a lot of times what we do may sound, you know, kind of easy or simple to the, you know, untrained ear. But it's like, yo, like, when I when I listen to music and other rappers, I'm just like, damn, I like the way he worded that. I like how he said that. So, I, you know, I felt like that song in particular is one of those ones where people listen to it and I was like, wow, these I could, guys are killing it,
0: man. That That's a song where throughout it I think you could just wear out the rewind button, you know, and I think my favorite line of yours in that song was like, they never paid you for the show but paid the dude who sweeped up? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that,
1: that came from a conversation I
0: had with a friend and it was,
1: uh, he was about to do a show. It was like he's doing a, a free show and I was like, all right, man, you're doing a free show. But I said, the crazy thing is like, you're going to be performing for 45 minutes for free and the bartender is getting paid and i was like yo the dude that swept the floor is making more money than
2: you yeah. <laughs> at the end of
1: the night so i was like all right i always wanted to put that in a song because it's kind of people don't think about it but it's like in in hindsight like damn
0: that is true and uh it it, it goes in line with you know some of your solo stuff like i remember first hearing know my worth on gold standard oh, like yeah. Oh yes, like that, and that—that was like the kind of shit that me and Carnage would talk about when we were on tour together. uh, Of of just like, there's so much compromise in being an artist, especially a touring artist. Sometimes you just got to take what you can get, and other times you got to stand firm and know what you're worth. And I feel like that song just embodied it so well. And you know, so many of the conversations I've had with my friends, and yeah, that—that line was a perfect callback to that sort of mentality for sure yeah i
1: appreciate that man it was it's one of those things where um i think i originally wrote that song when i lived in north carolina and i was going through a period where just feels like people at home just want to lowball you a lot of times you know what i mean and it's just like nah you know they'll they'll say well you know here's a hundred dollars or here's two hundred dollars and you know which is cool depends on you know your level or what your demand is, and it's just like, well, I'd rather not do a show than do a show and not really make money for it, you know what I'm saying? But there's so many artists out there that are just desperate to be heard, or they're just so hungry, as they would say, to be heard. It's just like, you know, they'll take anything, and I understand certain situations, but it's like this, if you start out in the scene and you charge a promoter a $100 for one show, then you charge a promoter a hundred dollars for another show say the next year something takes off for you when you come back and try to do a show and deal with that promoter he may offer you 200 dollars, 300 <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's not going to be what your market value is so it's like at this time you know it's almost like you're cheapening yourself and like i said in the song if people don't want to pay me what i'm worth where i'm from then i'll go and get it from somewhere else you know what i mean like i'm not gonna fight about it and argue about it and you know that's just the mentality that i've taken and even with with this project, man, people are like, hey, are you going on tour? And I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to go on a tour, because uh, for one, I got a great paying job, and for two, I, I want to do a show, but I kind of don't want to make like,
0: <laughs> $100. Yeah. Know, so. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, especially just the hometown aspect of it. Like, I have a song on that same record called Local. The title comes from the line, like, call me what you want, but don't, never call me a local. Cause it's it's got such a connotation to it of like the people who, you know, they they know you, they've they've seen you around town all these years, they whatever, they know where you work, they just see you as the, that dude, as opposed to when you go a hundred miles away, people are like, oh shit, man, I saw that new video, it's so good, like we're we're so honored to have you and shit like that, you know, and it's it's just a totally different perception from how people know you and. Is it worth it to play more often and kind of lower my value from the outside, or yeah. is it better to just be really selective and make it like an event when I play a show?
1: Well, wake up call came for me um, was when I did this tour. Uh, I did a European tour back in the day with me, Chief Kamachi, and jussala and like I was one of the headliners on that tour. Like just going to different countries in Europe. And I had a show booked with Jedi Montrix when I got back to North Carolina. Yeah. So just think I'm out headlining shows in Europe. And then I get back home and the promoter in North Carolina is putting me on stage. He's like, yeah, you go on at 830. I'm like,
2: 830? (laughs) Nobody's even
1: here. You know what I'm saying? Even like, you know, just talking to Vinnie Paz. And uh, I think Ari the Rugged Man was on tour with him at that time. He's like. Why are you going out here now? I'm like, yo, dude, this is the treatment that they give you. So they put me out there at like eight thirty, and then the next act didn't go on till like ten thirty.
3: Yeah, man. Wow. It's like this is nuts, man. Like I just
1: finished like touring around, (laughs) touring around the world with you know one of the former members of the group, and then I come back and y'all got me.
2: You're basically giving me the the eight thirty treatment. So
0: yeah, really. Well. I want to do something I don't normally do on this show, and and go a little more in depth on the new record, if you're okay. cool with that. Cool.
2: Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with that.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of, it's it's a short record. It's a it's a great like, basically 30 minute. You play it. You want to play it again when it's over. Um. You know, it's just eight songs. I figured with that kind of track list, it'd be something that you know we could just talk through song by song. You know okay. h- how this. Uh, uh, came together. First of all, uh, you're you're producing all your own beats on this record. Correct. Yeah, I had always made
2: beats. I started back making beats in 1999, 2000, but
1: I ended up meeting producers like M Phases, Ilman, Jake One. And I was like, I don't need to make beats because I didn't feel like my <laughs> beats were better than the the ones that I were getting. So. But, um, just over the course of the past few years, what really made me start making beats again was I did a full album with Stoop of Jedi Mind Tricks. Yeah. And it was finished, mixed, and mastered, and then he just didn't want to put it out. I don't know what it was. Oh, no. So that album sat. Yeah, so. <laughs> and then I did an uh, yep. album with Knots, like Knots Raw, and. Same thing happened, like I put it you know, not to say he didn't want to put it out, I just think he got busy with other things, and so I was just like, Look, this can't happen. So that's when I got back into making beats again. So I produced every song on this record.
0: What was the what was the line you had about that on the album? There was a track where you mentioned uh having to shelf a couple albums that
1: Oh yeah, that was um there's a little interlude right after the first song solitaire and i was talking about that in in solitaire yeah like at the end of that
0: yes solitaire i thought it was a great opener because i mean the the beat knocks and it's it's just on some like proud to be independent i can't even remember the 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 wording but you said something about like some people see it as like An industry failure if you're like putting out your own shit or whatever, but like you know you're you're embracing it fully and going, dude, I'm I'm working on my own terms. This is what I want to be doing.
1: Just DIY because originally the project was called Solitaire, and so because I had that song, and I was gonna do the whole idea of Solitaire was I was gonna release uh, like a monthly single where i rap produce do the graphic design and just drop out like you know a whole series of them but i did this one song before and it kind of you know kind of took off so i was like well damn so um i did solitaire basically as the title track and i just wanted to show people like yo you know like i'm doing this because i can not because there's lack of options like there's always producers out there there's always graphic designers There's always you know different things but i just wanted to use all the tools that i have and yeah. solitaire is just wanted. that's kind of like my anthem and my motto Is like look every time i've ever been inconvenienced by a person i've turned around and and invested in myself whether it was making beats whether it was a uh, studio time buying my own equipment or, you know, just videos, photography, buying my own cameras and things like that. So that's what Solitaire is about. It's kind of like an anthem for people that really do things on their own. So,
0: Yeah, and I mean, so much of DIY, in my experience, has been you have to hire people for things that you don't know how to do. But as you have those experiences and, and collaborating with these other artists that are outside of your focus or your your forte or whatever you know you're you're picking things up you're learning how that stuff works the mechanics of you know photoshop or making a music video or any of these things or recording yourself you know and and you know all, all those things to me I just looked at as as learning opportunities you know if I'm hiring someone to do something I want to benefit as much as possible from for what I'm investing in the project and I don't mean just in the outcome of that one track or whatever but long term right. where's you know where is that going to take me and I think I've I've always learned from every every engineer or every uh, photographer or you know person that I've worked with very true very true I wrote down some quotables as I was doing this uh, it was very hard to keep up with them because there's so many but <laughs> my favorite line from this first song and it's kind of a short song but uh that I truly think my heart and Antarctica are the same degrees these cold-blooded thoughts will probably give me brain freeze. I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that, that was like
1: Appreciate. See, see you're an MC you understand that like you you understand how
2: that that all ties in together.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that I think you that know? was maybe the the first line on the record that I was really like, "Okay, I am listening. Yeah. You got my yeah, full cold-hearted attention."
1: Antarctica Cold thoughts, brain freeze, like, you know, just one of those things, man. I was was like, how "How have I never
0: thought of that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I would have never thought of it if I was
1: just strictly sticking to how I used to deliver punchlines. It's like, all right, now I just find, like, the most clever way to to say different things, too.
0: And it's almost got that flow has a little bit of hands down, too, of, like, this venomous flow I deliver with Lottie Dottie ease. You love the slang because yeah, oh yeah, I'm cocky yeah. as Clubber Lang and Rocky Three. You know, it's got a little bit of that. Yeah, uh, yeah so, definitely. So uh, Smoke and Mirrors, I like this because it's a lot about kind of what we were just saying about perspective on success, you know, and yeah, what that means to the artist versus what that means to, you know, anybody else or the industry or the audience or, or, or whatever. Right. Take me through Smoke and Mirrors.
1: Smoking mirrors is like, even if you, when you start out, like when I start out the song, I say, they want to label me industry reject as long as labels still be sending me these checks. It's almost like people look at me and they look at other artists from my area and say, well, you weren't as successful as they were. And it's just like, well,
2: actually I'm the one that owns all my masters. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm the one that probably has more freedom.
1: Uh, So it's one of those things where people just, they look at popularity and think like that determines your success rate. And it's, it, that's not true. Like there's guys that I know that I came up with and there's other rappers that I know, like I live in a better house, I drive a better car, I got more money than them. It's just like, oh, that's not what it comes down to. It's all about perception. And that's what smoke and mirrors is, is, man. It's, you know, not falling for that. You know, I was just saying, look, in this industry, uh, you know, I don't fall for the okie dope. you know.
0: I thought that was a good title for it too, just a good way to word it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just like we don't fall for the for the whole smoke and mirrors thing, man. And it has some and that song I originally recorded with knots. Um, it was supposed to be on a project, but it was probably like one of my least favorite songs on that project, but I love the rhymes and I was just like it's one of those songs where You know how you write the lyrics and you're
2: just like, yo, I could spit these lyrics to any beat. Like this might be my favorite rhyme just because of,
1: how I you know how I switch up the cadences and the wordplay and things like that. Oh yeah, and man. And of those ones where you, you you write it and you're just like, yo, do, do people really understand what I'm doing here? Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, they say my style is fresh. I'm like this old thing. I mean, fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
1: uh, confident like a rock star, sniff cocaine.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Like in a straight jacket, that's a b boy pose. You know, fucking right. <laughs> and and then to me, the mic drop of the song because it's it's on topic is the acquired taste section (laughs) (laughs) i debated so long on whether to take that out
1: because you know i would listen to it and play it in front of my wife and she would just look at me like really (laughs) i'm like hey man they say that my flow is an acquired
2: taste same critics probably eat ass though like (laughs) so like
0: everything is an acquired taste you know so dude i but i was just like nah i'm leaving that in there that that's the kind of line that 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 i love like if i think of some shit that's uh that's a little bit out there but it's perfect for this song i was like man first of all nobody's thinking of this and secondly if they did they wouldn't even use it you know like (laughs) this is this is so specifically this song you know uh it it (laughs) reminds me uh on hbo they got that show the deuce that just started again and uh, there's a, a character was in the they're, they're, they're talking about, they're covering AIDS a little bit this season. And the first episode, one of the guys uh, goes to the clinic to get checked out. And the doctor's telling him, like, you know, different ways to practice safe sex just to be sure, you know. And one of the things he says, uh, he's like, no this, no that, no rimming. And he's like, what is that? <laughs> and the guy explains to him. Just his reaction is so perfect, kind of reminded me of this line where he's like, oh, that's when you take your tongue and you put it around, and he's like, why the fuck would I want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about a good sample to supplement? Right. <laughs> so, Killing Time. Oh, it's my favorite, man. I, I feel like here we're really starting to get into the meat of it, you know, and yeah. and stuff that's a little more... Specific to you and a little more grown up topics, you know? Yeah, um,
1: and, and I want to shout out Blueprint because um, he actually selected a song order for everything. I wanted him, I wanted to trust his his ear on what order to put the songs in. So he came up with the sequence of his album. I think he did a, a hell of a job, man. So we got the. You know solitaire and smoke and mirrors out the way and we're going to kill in time it's just like ah this shit's okay it's perfect
0: man. yeah it's nice got a it's, it's got a great flow to it and and you know the way that it it opens like high energy and just keeps it seems like the substance keeps getting deeper and deeper with each song um mm-hmm. like now we got your attention let me take you here, and now, like, all okay, right. okay, we're on this ride, and now it's like, all right, but have can we take it here? You know, yeah. um, the way that it keeps elevating really, really works, and then, and then, of course, the only thing I'd give him shit about is you're going to give yourself the last word on the on the guy's record. Come on, Prince. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just I don't even fucking think about around it like that. That's pretty. Funny. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. That's a that's a yeah. a, a great closer. Um, yeah, that's funny. You know, talking about, like, I could have spent those four hours on my youngest child, you know, or, like, I've, I've wasted days on people I don't speak to now, you know? Like, I, yeah. there's there's so much in this song about prioritizing your life as you grow up as an artist, you know? you This and Black Cloud kind of go together in terms of, like, yeah. you know, valuing family and all this. And I think a lot of times as artists we get caught up in the the dangling carrot and like, oh, where is this going and what is the goal and um, yeah. that next level I haven't attained yet. But like, you know, for me, I had that awakening a couple years ago of like, man, but my life is so good if I stop torturing myself over the things I don't have. Like, right. you know, I'm about to yeah. celebrate 20 years since I met my wife. You know, like that's yeah, that's, that's, dope. that's lucky. Dope. That's so rare. You know, and it's like I gotta yeah. I gotta put more time into this. And get my money right to show her that like it's not all about my music shit and that that this is even more important than all this stuff that I'm talking up, you know, and I, I really these two songs really resonated with me in that way.
1: Yeah, and for Killer Time, like well, it was one of those things where I would sit in the studio and I'd start working on a song and then I'd end up picking up my phone, looking at Twitter or IG or you know, watching a video of somebody getting knocked out watching somebody doing voiceovers of cats and saying funny shit i'm like
0: what am i doing here you know what i mean <laughs> or
1: you know i would be in work i'll be in there working on a song for somebody else and i just remember my son coming in like dad can you play with me and i'm like well daddy's working i'll play with you when i'm done and i'm in there I'm working for hours and hours and hours meanwhile you know my son's like you know he's on his tablet or his his game and it's just like man and you know now but do do all this for a song the song would never come out or the song would come out and get like 20 listens it's like well damn this is all time that's been you know really that I could have put into the other things and the main thing that really made me realize that you know there's no time to waste is like when my wife got diagnosed with cancer in um you know march like it was just like yo man like what if that was it you know what if But if it was her time to go, I still didn't feel like I spent enough time with her. I've spent so many years just chasing, you know, music and things like that. And, you know, just like you said, like me and my wife, you know, we've been together uh, 19 years as well. So it's just like, you know, I still feel like I could have put more time into, you know, just marriage just family and things like that and that's what killing time's about is and i looked at it too i was like man if i took all those verses that i put on songs that never really came out or went anywhere it's like man i could have 10 albums right
0: now <laughs> yeah you know, so it it puts everything in perspective when life gives you a gut punch like that you know and, oh, yeah. and you know i have kind of an addictive personality and 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 I really get the tunnel vision when I'm working on a project. It's like, yeah, you'll be out there all fucking night. And then, oh, shit, the sun's up. I better go to bed. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, you'll just get so focused on this on this record or this song. And, and um, you know, uh, sometimes uh, it, it really like I'm 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 grateful for being shook out of that and going, dude, look, you have this amazing thing right in front of you. Don't take it for granted.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's that's how I feel, man. That's what kind of inspired me to to write that to Kill the killing yeah. time song and and you know Black Cloud and you know, a lot of the records on this joint. And I didn't, I guess, just writing from the perspective that I was writing from, I didn't realize that the content was so heavy. I was just kind of rapping about what I was going through. But I've had a lot of people tell me like, Yo, I've never heard somebody lay it all on the line the way that you done on this project and i'm just like you know that still kind of bugs me out because like i said i'm just i just deal with people on a daily i'm not really in the music industry even though i release music i just deal with people at my job and my friends and just people that i could just be myself and be personal with like these are things that i can say to people every day but i guess a lot of rappers you know like i said they have that smoke and mirrors up they have that perception of that you know hey i'm rich or this is going well for me like me i'll tell you about the
2: good things, and I'll tell you about the bad things as well,
0: too. So. Yeah, but also, I think part of it is, since it's such an extension of, of your personality, I mean, you can tell when they come up with a with a concept first, and they're like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to sit down and write to this concept. Like, sometimes yeah. I, I listen to a song, and I just feel like they got one hand tied behind their back because they're trying to fit <laughs> into this thing, you know, versus yeah. versus this project i mean it's very much like you said like this is what's going on just speaking straight from the heart you know it's not like you sat down to go all right today i'm gonna go in in this direction you know because i feel like that can just feel so canned yeah you know but if if you're just going into it with no expectations for yourself of other than like where can we take this today (laughs) it's It's going to be more genuine, and, that, and that's going to resonate with people better, I think.
1: Yeah, and it kind of has a, a current, like, I don't know if you noticed, but it has an undertone on the album that's, that, you know, just what spending too much time on the internet can can do. It can make you, you know, have self-doubt. I always tell people that the internet will make you find
2: things you hate and all the things that you love. So it's like if you
1: yes. stay on it long enough, your favorite rapper that's been your favorite rapper forever you'll start to dislike him you're like yo this guy's annoying he tweets all day or you know some information will come out about him it's just like well damn now i can't even listen to his music in peace like it's just one of those things that's the undertone of the album was just like man like you know just the the internet has been great to me but it's also taken away a lot of my my time and creativity and things like that so
0: yeah yeah and and a lot of times it's a lot adds a lot of negativity. Um,
1: yeah, it does, man. I um, had a conversation with uh, my friend uh, B. Hill last week, and we were talking about just mental health and the Internet and uh, social media. And I was like, yo, man, when you're feeling depressed, the Internet's the last place you want to go, uh, you know, to, to express how you feel because you could literally tweet. I'm about to jump off this bridge right now and there's going to be at least two people that's going to like that comment.
0: <laughs> yeah, so man. Like, I mean so, and not know? to get like not to get too too real here, but uh you know, a few years back uh my cousin did commit suicide and he was oh. a he was a gamer and uh he didn't tell anyone in real life, but he mm-hmm. he he said in his game chat that he was going to do it and I heard from uh, the family who was there and found him that they had said, like, yeah, do it, and, like, cheered him on, you know? Wow, like, yeah. That, that's yeah. the kind of shit that you find on the internet that no person is saying in real fucking life, you know? Like, it's just right. it's so... because because
1: there's, like, the compassion is, is taken away. Man, yeah. I, I think I heard Bill Burr mention that, um, and... was talking to somebody He was saying that you know he wanted his kids to learn compassion because it's like on the internet you can say you're ugly or kill yourself or whatever and then you just you walk away you log off and the person is just left to process those feelings but in real life you
2: get to see the hurt that you've caused somebody you know you can see you can see you know
1: just all the feelings that they have and things like that so and you know that's why i try to kind of pull away from the internet sometimes or just not you don't take just don't take the shit too serious you
0: know if it's all anonymous there's no consequence to anything you say and do you know
2: yeah it's the best bulletproof vest ever invented (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) anonymity yeah before we get too far ahead i wanted to uh just shout out your your other feature on the record can you help me on the pronunciation
2: yeah, yeah I mean Somali. Yamin
0: yeah, I mean um, Somali, uh oh, man. Yeah,
2: he's he's he's
1: originally from North Carolina. He lives in Atlanta, like which is where I live. I've been knowing him since he was a teenager. He was part of a group called Clandestine. And he used to go by the name of Amdex. He's done songs with like Corrupt and a lot of other people. And the guy's one of the most talented artists that I know. Like he can sing. He raps, he produces, he DJs, and he's great at all of it. So the features that I chose to rap on this album, uh, they're all artists who do multiple things. Like, you know, Yamin, Blueprint, Rap, Produce, you know, Blueprint. He does everything possible. He does film and everything. So I wanted people that were like myself, that were multi-talented, and, you know, just weren't just...
0: Rappers, you know, like yeah. I wanted to feature well, and, and people like that. Yeah, I mean, has a really interesting, like almost sort of an open mic eagle sort of melodic delivery that I really like and and still yeah, has. I
1: would say uh, uh, it reminds us of, I think it was a Slim Kid Trey from Far Side or something like that. Like, that's a lot of people compare him to the guy from the Far Side a lot of times.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. It just has such a musical, just a melody in. In the delivery that's not usually there and, and still quotables, yeah. you know, like that that uh, second place is silver, but second chances is a golden. And, you know, just I like.
1: What I was just popped in my head. Uh, I was like, when he said that, uh, he sent the first to me, I was like, whoa, man. I, and I actually Googled it. I was like, he couldn't come up with this shit. Like, that had to be <laughs> like some writer <laughs> from the 60s or 70s that said it. And I was like, oh, no, nah, he came with that himself. Like, that is
0: quotable yeah that was great um so uh onto the onto the title track so i don't keep you here all fucking night <laughs> uh, sacrifice man is the perfect theme of the record i feel like to put the cherry on top of the previous two songs like you know they still offer me tours i'd rather be at home that's a place that's far from divorce you know like i my notes on this as i was starting to write lines um, I just yeah. stopped writing lines, and in all caps, I wrote this whole fucking song. <laughs>
2: because,
0: you know, like, I used to tour like, so much, my own home felt like I was visiting. Like, I, yeah. oh, that, that hit me so hard, because, you know when you're in a strange place, and uh-huh. you're you're in like a motel room or at a friend's house, and you're going to bed, so, and you close your eyes, and you're almost asleep, and y- you start to think, your brain tells you that you're actually in your own bed, in your own house. Yeah. and then you open your eyes for some reason, and you're like, "Oh yeah, shit." The opposite yeah. of that started happening to me a few years ago. I'd be in between tours and I'd be home, sleeping mm-hmm. in my own bed, and in my brain I'd be picturing that I was like on my friend's couch in Denver or some shit. And I, I'd, <laughs> I'd open my eyes to go to the bathroom. I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Wow. You know? Yeah. Like it. It was yeah. a trip. Like I got so used to just being out there and staying in the same cities. You know, elsewhere that it 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 really did feel like I was a visitor at home.
1: That that concept, even that just feeling, came the last tour that I did with Blueprint. Like you know, it was a very dope tour, but that's when I realized that I don't want to be a touring artist because I've toured for so long. Uh, you know, I've, I remember um, my daughter.
2: I missed my daughter's birthday because mm. we were on the road and.
1: I think, it actually, it was the show that we did in Wisconsin, and it got canceled. And I was like, damn, the show got canceled. I'm out far away from my daughter. I'm missing her birthday. You know what I mean? It's just like, yo, was this really, really worth it? Then I had, while I was uh, touring, like a aunt of mine had died. Yeah. She had a cancer, and she passed away. And it's just like, yo, I can't. I can't leave, I can't go back, so you know, I had to, like, write a few words for them to say at the funeral, so I never really got to bury my aunt, and then, you know, we ended up having the car accident, I mean, the uh, accident with the
0: van. Yeah, the I was gonna Iowa, ask about that. And, you know, totaled the entire van, van flipped over and things
1: like that, and I was like, man, I I don't wanna die in Iowa, like, no disrespect to Iowa, but, yeah. but it's just like, yo, I did, this is not the way I wanna close my chapter, and i I knew at that point, I was like, I think this is probably my final tour of this capacity. Like, I do spot dates and things like that. But, you know, it's it's just like I say in the song. Some things I'm just not willing to sacrifice. Um, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, success. There's people that, you know, say, well, you know, these guys are more successful. Well, this, You know, this woman is more successful. But it's like, yo, the thing is, I came in this music industry i'm still with the same woman that i came in this music industry with i still have the same friends like a lot lot of guys they've they've lost wives they've lost close friends they've they've sacrificed and traded all of this just for
2: the price of fame just a little bit of fame you know not even like jay-z type of fame yeah it's
1: just like at the end of the day i just don't think it's worth it you know i'd rather i'd rather make music wake up go to work and, and live by my own terms than be out here chasing it. You know, Like I said, I don't want to be that dude chasing fame in his 50s, man, like I just yeah. I just don't want that to be me. Uh, me and Fonte from uh, Little Brother, we, we had a conversation and he said, man, I don't want to be that 50-year-old dude sleeping in hotels like, yeah. for the rest of my life, you know? Just constantly, you don't even have a home, you're just always on the road and sleeping in the hotels, and when I was in my 20s, it was real dope, and. It was exciting because I got to get out and travel the world. But then I didn't tour for a while and I toured again and the analogy I use is like it's almost like taking a lion out of the jungle and putting him in the zoo and then throwing it back in there, man. It's almost yeah. like uh, Madagascar. Like I watch kids movies with my you know, with my kids and it's just like, yo, know, like trying to throw Alex the Lion back in the jungle. It's like, yo, man, like this is not for me, man. Like I give up more being on tour like i can't have sex every night because i I have a wife i miss home cooking i don't get to sleep in my own bed it's just like you know like i lose out more from touring than i than i gain from it so
0: (laughs) yeah and i i think that so often in our kind of music if you were to talk about sacrifice in relation to what we do that it would almost be a like a glorification of like, I'm, you know, I'm grinding, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And you kind of took that the opposite way of like, you know what? Yeah, but I'm going to make this sacrifice to my career because the other things are more gratifying in the long run, you know, and and I'm toying with reissuing one of my earlier records. And I, I listened to it the other day and there was a line where I was, I was talking a lot about sacrifice and commitment and dedication. And I quit my job for the tour, maxed out the plastic, sold half my shit. Cause it was that drastic. I was like, used up my 401k. And after that I cashed in my IRA so I could rap. Now, when I wrote yeah. that and I'm like in my mid twenties, you know, I'm like, I'm giving you everything. This is fucking awesome. You know, like yeah. it versus now when I listen to that, Man, that's fucked up. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I, yeah. I can't believe that, that Like, I'm the same dude that now I can just listen to that with enough distance of going. Man, that's not the right headspace.
1: Right, I say that about a lot of my early work. Like my first album was called Seven Years of Bad Luck because at the time I was just going through a lot of things, but. I look back at it and I'm like, yeah, that was just seven years of bad decisions. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? Or this song I got, uh, you know, called The Williams, like it's one of my more popular songs. Yeah. When your was get so old, you call them Williams. And it's just like, man, I remember, uh, uh, it hit me when I was over, uh, I think I was uh, in Europe and I performed and I, I was like, you know, usually i went out in in the United States I'll just go, you know, how many people's got pass through bills and the place goes crazy. Ah I did it in Europe and it was like crickets. It's
0: just
1: like oh, <laughs> like damn, they pay like people here must pay their bills on the time. <laughs> so like, you motherfuckers are like, responsible. <laughs> right. So like, you know, just going from the Williams and then on uh sacrifices like you know, letting people know, like, yo, I used to have a lot of past through bills. Now my credit score is is eight hundred now. So it's like it just shows you the coming of age,
0: man. Yeah, that line too. In the year that I spent off touring, I, I just did a short one with my band, but I took a year off, I took a promotion at work, put in more hours, I raised my credit score one hundred and fifty points like yeah, okay. that that's hard to do, you know and I, yeah. <laughs> I felt like uh, that was a whole nother level of satisfaction in, okay, this is something that I've put aside for a long time while I do these little tours and put out these records and whatever. It really did feel good to put some energy into that and see it pay off. Yeah, and you could. The thing was, that I had to look back and say, "Well, if I was smarter, I should have took care of my credit because you get
1: more things when you have good credit." Yeah. Like I, you know, five years ago, my, I was a ghost in the system. I had no credit whatsoever. Or whatever. So it's like now. I remember um, when I went to call to get uh, like home internet. And I remember back in the day, if I need internet or cable, you know, you got to put this deposit down, you've got to do this. Like I called to get like home service and they're like, all right, well, you know, no deposit down. And actually we're going to give you a tablet or a television or a gift card, your choice. And I'm (laughs) like,
2: oh, shit, like (laughs) this is what good credit does
0: for you. (laughs) Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh so Tombstones uh we we talked a little bit about this. I recognize uh, uh the sample from another artist song I had heard before but it's in a yeah. in a, kind of pitched in a different key. Um yeah. but it's got such just a great like melancholy vibe to uh you know like the 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 keys in that song. I I still really think it's a great fit for this. Thanks, man. Um
1: Tombstone is like uh it's another one, like I said, the undertone is like just seeing a lot of stuff on social media was that I see a lot of young people that they do a lot of things just for attention. Yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, pointing guns on camera or, uh, you know, just watch people pranking people. But these are like mean, evil fucking pranks.
2: These are not like, right? You know, like the type of pranks we grew up on. I started seeing all these different things. I'm like, well,
1: don't these people know that they have, you know, there's going to be repercussions for the things that you do. Because if you look back a couple years ago, you look at the, the rappers that were gaining the most attention on the internet, like uh, Tekashi69, Soldier Boy, or whoever, a lot of them are locked up or they've been shot or dead, and it's like, look, man, like it's cool if you want to go out here and troll but just know everybody's not from your generation everybody doesn't play those type of games and for tombstones i'm just saying look i'm you know i'm a father of three i'm a grown man i don't have anything to offer except for my talent and I'm, that's all i'm gonna do i'm not gonna go out here and and, and talk crazy about people on the internet. and nothing makes me angrier than seeing the old legend pioneer and arguing to a camera like holding his phone up just arguing into a camera i'm like man
2: like (laughs) this is not the generation we come from man
0: yeah I, i can't even imagine i mean there's such uh i mean for me it's still like a relatively short passage of time i mean i had a computer in my room with the internet and you know in 1999 or whatever but like i i can't imagine growing up with instagram and the pressure it puts on these kids and in so many different ways.
1: The thing is, now, like, they'll see, they'll feel the effects right now, but later, they're really gonna feel the effects because, basically, you grew up on the internet, you grew up in front of a camera, you grew up in front of a video camera, so,
0: Yeah, it's all uh, there, forever.
1: Yeah, exactly. Imagine 20, 30 years from now when they wanna, you know, get a job or, you know, run for a political office or anything, like, any, you know, it's, it's your digital footprints are out there, man. Yep. So it's like you know, kids are gonna see it. Like you know, this younger generation will see it much later on. And I think a lot of them will suffer from it. You know?
0: And I think that uh, blind loyalty, albeit in a different way, kind of carries that idea of of conscience and responsibility. I, th- I think this song was summed up very well, just in the one line of saying, uh, "Just so to point." just so disappointing, I feel a sense of anger, a sexual predator is your favorite entertainer, you know, like, yeah. there's, there's so much, uh, like you said, you know, you spend enough time online, you'll find all the things you hate about the things you love, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a strange time when, you know, it used to be you'd listen to a record and you might not even know what they fucking look like, you know? Yeah. And and now it's like you have to make some hard decisions. You know, I, I had Chesky on the show last summer and we were talking about Kanye and his MAGA shit and yeah. and Nas and his stuff with Khalees and, uh, yeah. you know, all that was happening at the same time. And, and I was trying to process it and I was really surprised that he took such a clear separate the art from the artist um, versus I felt a little more conflicted And then I know some people who are completely hard the other way, kind of like this song talks about, you know. Um, Yeah, well, I'm I'm more conflicted with it because, I mean, I do separate the art from the artist, but at the same time, it
1: depends on the severity of what they're involved in. Like somebody like R. Kelly, I remember just going to r kelly's page one day and i was just you know how if you go to a page they'll tell you everybody that follows them yeah like that that's your friends. and i remember going to his page and there was like 40 people that i know personally that still follow r kelly and i was just like yo how <laughs> why are y'all following this dude like this dude is like he's basically a pedophile you know what i'm saying
2: yeah and it, it and i just heard a lot
1: of people just You know, not just R. Kelly, but other artists was like, yeah, well, you know, they do that. But, you know, like, I I just, I
2: love their music. And and my soul, it doesn't doesn't sit right with me, you know. Yes, it's tough. I know
1: everybody has a little dirt on them, but like I said, it depends on the severity. Like, I I don't, uh, women beaters, pedophiles, you know, different things like that. Like, I just can't, I can't rock with them. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm raising daughters, man. Like, you got to draw the line somewhere. You know, everybody can, can do what they want, but I just, in particular, I choose not to 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 support people. Like, you're not going to get my money from from stuff like that. And being in the music industry, there's a lot of people out here that are doing, you know, just predator shit, and a lot of these guys are just being quiet. Like, yeah. you know, like, because I was probably maybe the first one to really say on the song to mention Africa Bambada, and I was like, well, I'll probably get flack from that. But it's just one of those things where, like, look, man, I've always heard rumors in the music industry, and nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wants to say anything until things boil over. So you're going to see it in the next five to ten years. Some of you, your favorite artists, man, you're going to start seeing things come out about them. And it's just like, look, everybody's not lying. and A lot of this has been in the music industry. and Nobody wants to talk
0: about it, but. It's hard to be a fan in this, in this era of too much information and, and, and no privacy. It's like, oh, God, I wish I didn't know that, but now I do, and I have to deal with it, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, exactly, man. So this,
1: this, this is what you do with the information. For me, you know, like I said, everybody's got some, some dirt on them. Like, you know, I'm not going to stop listening to a rapper because you've got 1,000 unpaid parking tickets. But yeah. I mean, if you're sleeping with little kids, I think I could probably skip the catalog and find yeah. Somebody else to dedicate my time and energy to to listen to. So,
0: so I have to ask you a, a critical question, if you don't mind. Um, in in terms of this song, again, I think it's a, a great, very timely song. There's a line in here that did stand out to me as being somewhat at odds with this theme. Mm-hmm. The uh, Like some of you slipping roofies to women you leave in bars with. Some of you secretly chasing cross dressers and hard dicks. Yeah. Now in my own personal life, my brother mm-hmm. recently became my sister. Right, right. And I love this new record and I wanted to at at first listen I was like, "Oh, this is so good. You know, yeah. I have to send this to her, you know." Yeah. And then that line popped out to me and I'm like, "Oh, well now what if she doesn't want to listen to this record?" because of that, you know, and it, it was yeah. like, it was like a microcosm of the same thing yeah. we're talking no, about.
2: Line,
1: it's basically the under, whole point of the song is that, you know, live your truth and don't hide things, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I, you know, like I said, I understand that. I have like one of my closest cousins, she, you know, I grew up with her and everything. I watched her date men, date bad men, date good guys, finally found the love of her life and he basically passed out and died in front of her and you know now she's a lesbian it's like you know it's just one of those things that happen but as far as that is you know this is just a lot of rappers out there that you know they're doing pedophile stuff there's a lot of guys out there that aren't living their truth there's rappers that you and i both know you know that you know they're you know they sleep with cross dresses and things like that And it's you know which is cool whatever your preference is it's fine but i'm just a person that i'm like live your truth whatever it is and you know, if, if my kids came to me and told me that, you know, they were gay, I wouldn't be upset, you know? It was just like, as a father, just live your truth. So this is the time that we're in because there's a lot of people that's carrying around a lot of stress, a lot of depression, a lot of angry thoughts, and just a lot of self-doubt because they can't be who they want to be,
0: you know? So in that line, you're you're emphasizing, though, because the, the word secretly is in there, so you're more so talking about people who are... They're repping one thing, um, and doing something that's completely contrary to their image. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what. And that's what you know. Just the blind lawyers part, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. even with, with all, it's just like look, don't
1: don't secretly be a fan. Don't get online and and say that you don't support him. And then when the song comes on, you start dancing to his music <laughs> or you go on to his shows. You know. Yeah. Like it's basically
2: you know live your truth. Man
0: well finally we have someday soon which is is just uh it's a beautiful song it's a great great closer i feel like it's kind of an extension of of tombstones but on more of a broad angle i guess um Uh that like another waking day another rest in peace post and then part of that also is just you know the older we get the more people we know who are who have gone before us but um what Prince says about people who are barely old enough to have kids pass away (laughs) and leave their kids Uh, shit just yesterday i saw somebody who uh, who, um said hey i just i just lost someone in the family like comment music that'll help me get through this you know i think this is this is always something that um people need to process
1: someday soon it's like i've just witnessed a lot of Death and demise from artists, and uh, I was telling somebody the other day, um, the last Scribble Jam, which was the final one. I was a judge in the MC MC battle, and you know who the two uh, guest judges
2: weren't with me. Huh. It was Idea and Pumpkinhead. Like <laughs> both of those guys have, you know, passed away. And I was
1: thinking, like, you know, it's just like wow when you think about that. in hindsight, like we're, you know, we're all young guys and things like that. And you know, I'm, I'm part of an, another group called Speaker Bullies with a producer named Praise. But there was a guy named Proverb who was a uh, he was a, a writer and a MC. And I remember he he was big on connecting me with Praise. He's like, "Hey, man, you got to work with this guy, Praise." And you know, and Proverb ended up passing away. It was like one of the just a great brother, man. You know, he left behind like a like a, a young child and his wife, and and it was just one of those things. And I. You know, I, I had a health scare a couple years back. It has had me starting to wonder, like, man,
2: is my time coming soon, you know? Yeah. So it's just one of those, it's, it's unfortunate, but
1: like you said, the older you, we get, the more we're going to have to deal with it, you know? And plus, you know, we all, you know, uh, we all live the rock star life. So, you know, we stay up late. We don't always eat the way we should, uh, you know, and, and a lot of with independent musicians or people that self-employed, they don't have options to for insurance and things like that too like it's a little bit more expensive for them so
0: yeah i don't yeah yeah for sure yeah, at and, the end
1: of the day man that's and that's one reason like a, a a major reason why i went out and got a job because i'm like i have my children getting older i can imma- like i can't even imagine my wife being diagnosed with cancer and i was just trying to survive off of music like there's probably over hundred and seventy thousand dollars worth of medical bills that i would have had to pay out of pocket just for that you know what i'm saying and that was stage one cancer so you
0: know yeah and the way that they get you with the pre-existing conditions too i mean even if you tried to change a situation then you couldn't right. in, in exactly. terms of in exactly. terms of insurance So i mean yeah and and a couple of years ago i made a record that you know talked a lot about this stuff because I, I really had this kind of slap in the face moment where i was I was at my grandma's funeral, and she was like the third family member who had died in like, I don't know, four months or something. It was just like, it seemed like one after another. And right. and as we're sitting there in the church, I'm looking down the pew at my immediate family that I came with, and I'm going, man, I'm just going to have to keep coming. You know, uh, like, I can't remember what the line was. It said something about like, you know, that eventually... This is just going to be me and you left at the at the end of this yeah. pew, you know, and and it it you know yeah. it really it really did hit me that uh, we gotta yeah. appreciate the time, you know.
2: Yeah, someday soon was written like, um,
1: cause my former DJ and producer from the earlier years that I came up with, uh, DJ Merlin. Um, it was a couple years ago on Christmas. Um, he basically, you know, committed suicide on, on Christmas, and his oh. you know his. Parents' garage, and it was just like, man. And then I remember talking to Print, and he hit me like, yo, you know, one of the members, Anticon, uh, passed away. And that's the one we was like, yo, you know what? I know he's dealt with, you know, that and idea and just a lot. And DJ Prism, who was a mutual friend of me and Blueprints and things. And I was like, yo, yeah. I think it's just something. We, we had a whole text conversation basically. Mentioning almost everything that we mentioned in the song And we were just like, yo, let's just make this a song,
0: man Like, this is
1: something
0: we, you know, other people should
1: hear That's where it came from
0: Yeah, I think he's a perfect choice for that That really, from the heart stuff, you know He he not only has an eloquence in putting together these big ideas Mm -hmm. But also he just has such a lack of filter for this stuff, you know there's just no, there's yeah, there's no pretension at all. It's just like here I am. I'm a human being. Let's let's get real with it. You know.
1: And I, I always have to shout out Blueprint, man, because I tell people that there's people out there in this music industry and in this and this just in life that have looked out for me. But I don't know a person who has looked out for me as much as Blueprint. I was like out of all the you know popular people I know, it was a guy from Columbus, Ohio, took me on my biggest tour. You know what I mean? He. He gave me features, you know what I'm saying? Vice versa, we was on each other's records. We constantly text and talk back and forward, and I get a lot of knowledge, and
0: oh yeah, we you share were, each other's perspective, man. You were on Two-Headed so. Monster. Yeah. I yeah, forgot yeah. <laughs> about that. Shit, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, health oh, is man. wealth, man. And we were
1: talking about that, like health, and you could tell what kind of conversation, all, all our conversations turned into songs, like health is wealth. We were talking about how, you know, certain a lot of people get sick and we're like, yo man, we're too young for this, man. So, you know, we did health as well someday soon. Oh, so, the beat I, on I that on song greenhouse too. Effect, uh, song too, with him and the logic as well.
0: Yeah, man, like you said, not just a great artist, but s- such a good guy. I mean, I got to know him as, as a fan, I would come to shows, he would recognize me and you know, that turned into collabs and that turned into shows and, you know, uh, I've, I've really had nothing but great experiences with him too and i i mean even just a couple of days ago i i came to him with with you know for some advice and he always gives me a peek behind the curtain as to what his approach is and uh you know i'm i'm a- always uh grateful for that and you know when i started writing books i got to talk to him about that like who the fuck else is doing this i don't even know like well let me ask Print, you know.
1: And, and he's, he's willing to share a lot of knowledge, man. It's like each one teach one with Blueprint, man. And that's one thing I don't know if you know, if people really understand that about him, but he's a he's a very sharing person, man, and, and he's a, a very intelligent person. I mean people may not agree with everything he says, but like I just love his he has a fresh take and perspective on a lot of different things.
0: Yeah. Shout out to uh the Super Duty Tough Work podcast as well. Oh,
1: yeah, it's one of my favorites, man that's <laughs> shout out to a logic that's the homie too so, so i I hate to even use the word underrated, but yeah, a logic just he makes me want to tear my paper up
0: and start <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, speaking of wearing at the rewind button, Jesus Christ, yeah man, all right, man well, uh, I think we got through the whole record. I had it on repeat i I love it I think it's it's honestly, I probably picked up about. 60 albums this year um and uh you know i i hit the hit the used bins and whatever and i'm i'm always trying to find new inspiration but like i've had kind of a hip-hop drought this year aside you know aside from like that sage and b dolan record and you know a couple things here and there but this one really hit me there's so much truth in it there's so much um just, just real life, and then there's also it's just a it's also a fun record for as serious as it is and as heavy as some of it is. The beats get you moving. The lines are so memorable. The wordplay is there. Like I just, uh, I, I really enjoy it, man. And and I, I had to have you on here to talk about it. So,
1: uh man, I truly appreciate it. and I'm honored that you you feel that way, man. Like you know, because I'm a fan of your your work as well, man. Ever since we met,
0: too. Thanks, man. I just no, I just, just got off of this punk tour and, you know, spending all year working on this album this punk album and and uh you know I've just been like looking for something to kinda get the gears turning again as as a lyricist and like, man, this thing is it's it's hitting the spot. So
1: Yeah, and I have one more project dropping uh before the end of the year too. So just <laughs> just know like yeah, you know, it's, it's probably not gonna be like a full album, but I got some like another EP I wanna throw out there too. That's pretty much already done. So.
0: I'm doing the Mr. Burns so, fingers, the excellent fingers. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> it's so
1: much easier when you're producing for yourself and doing your graphic design because there's no whole, the only delays. There are is you know
2: is me.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> you
1: know. So all
0: right, man. Well, thanks for staying up late for me.
1: Hey, no problem, man. It was great talking to you.
0: All right, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out the Sacrifice EP and give Superstition a follow online, social media. If you like the Take 92 podcast, please subscribe. Give us a five-star iTunes rating. Share the episode in your stories. And I've got plenty more underground hip-hop and punk rock content on the way. I'm going to leave you with the title track off this new record. It's called Sacrifice. So, I came here to tell you that you need to stop expecting your friends to support your projects. I used to
3: pray for success on many a night. Sadly, everything I wanted came at a price. Put the music on hold and got back to life. Some things just ain't worth the sacrifice Sacrifice You gotta have a different motive When you older the niggas You gotta know when to fold them And gotta know when to pivot We too old to be posing If we ain't rolling in riches I'm seeing brothers get evicted Won't let go of the business A sad state of affairs How they come today to shut down hope But bill collectors ain't impressed With your less Brown quotes I need a future with some benefits I don't need no Gucci though With Super snow Degenerate Some of you got the hunger bro Salute to those who win with it I'm on a different mission now. I don't fuck with it if it ain't bucket list or written down So much fake shit, you'd be crazy to get involved You wanna make it and you just too lazy to get a job I'm busy raising these babies, they told me the game missed me I refuse to be that lame chasing fame in his fifties I alter my course, I ain't starving no more Lost a couple supporters, that's just part of the because I'm still as before, they still offer me tours I'd rather be at home, that's a place that's far from divorce My son is amazing, daughter is academically gifted Used to tour so much my own home, I felt like I was visiting Traveling frequently Sounds amazing Until you live in it But the problems That came with it I never envisioned it now some of you would die to just begin to drive a seat and get that type of attention i started missing privacy family something that i happen to cherish and i don't know too many rappers that don't happily marry don't be distracted by appearance yeah we clearly got some talent but music mixed with marriage that's some hard shit to balance bro i'm speaking real life there ain't no punchlines or metaphors have a i'm headed for an 800 credit score georgia resident another step closer than i ever been While most of y'all was bitching 'bout about the president I upped the tax bracket, I put my lady to school I can't draft for a living, consider that being due So musical not, listen, my mama ain't raise a fool She ain't just give me these good looks, homie, she gave me jewels I accomplished everything I dreamed of when I started I'm proud of all the projects I created as an artist I never had to cringe at it like this shit is nonsense I never sold my soul while reaching all of my goals So my mission's accomplished Success on so When it came at a price. Put the dreams on hold and I back the life. Some things just ain't worth the sacrifice, sacrifice.
0: And some of y'all are putting too much trust and hope in all these other people. And the thing is this, you're doing that business because you chase the money
3: and I can't support
0: that. I just, I can't support it. I love you, I'm here for you, but you never know what the reason is. Have you ever
2: thought to? Music has changed so much since you first got into music, and yet you're still here, singing, yep. writing, and recording, and outlasting so many that came after you. How do you feel young artists should approach commercial music making if they want to experience just a teensy bit of success and longevity that you have enjoyed? Well, the reason that's kind of a tough question for me to deal with is because see, I had free reign when I was with the company, the companies I was with. That's right. None of them told me what to do or how to do it or when to do it.